0: I am excited. Today is going to be an amazing conversation. I'm sitting down with one of my good friends, Rebecca. Drumsta. She is an all-around amazing human being, but that's not the sole reason I'm having her on this show. She also wrote a book called When Family Hurts, 30 Days to Finding Healing and Clarity. Look, I recommend a lot of books on the podcast, but I want you to listen up right now. There's only one book that has been mentioned on the podcast that I have endorsed. If you open up the front page of this book, you're going to see my name, in print, endorsing this material. And I wouldn't do that if I didn't 100% believe in the message that Rebecca is trying to share. So if you want to buy the one book that's been endorsed by the host of the Prejoys podcast in the published book itself, you need to go grab a copy of When Family Hurts. I love the book. It is a practical, tactical resource. There's not one Ounce of fluff in this book. It's here to help you heal, it's here to help you deal with family trauma and address the issues that so often they get pushed down to the bottom, never to be addressed again until they explode. If you've had a traumatic experience with family or as a result of family, I know that's incredibly rare. Uh sarcastic voice there. Uh, you need to pick up a copy of this book. It is absolutely incredible. Rebecca has outdone herself, but you're going to hear that yourself. Listen to her on this episode. She shares so much wisdom, so much encouragement, and please do me a personal favor after you pick up a copy of Rebecca's book. Do that first thing. There's a link in the show notes for you to do just that. Do me one more favor. Whenever we do an episode on this kind of stuff where it's just practical, helpful resources, uh, it seems like those episodes never get the same traction as episodes covering crimes or more of the traumatic dark corners of the IFB. But I really want there to be some messages of hope shared from this podcast. So if there's anything, if there's one moment in this podcast that helps heal you a little bit, that helps you think in a better way, have a more positive outlook, uh, gives you a tool that you need to work through the next chapter of your own journey, then please take a second to share this episode with somebody, send it through a DM, send it through a text, share it to your Instagram stories, post it to a Facebook group, add it to Pinterest, put it on your MySpace, wherever you can put it for people to see it. I would really appreciate it. And I know Rebecca would as well, but that's enough of me talking. You're not here for me. You're here to hear Rebecca's incredible insights from her new book, When Family Hurts. So let's get into the conversation right now. Rebecca, thank you for coming back on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. I'm glad your last experience was, uh, was okay enough to to come back on the show. Okay. Um, yeah. but yeah, I really, I want to have you on because, uh, you just released a new book, which I have, uh, sitting right here and, uh, it's called "When family hurts. And one of the, the things I love going through the show is like starting it. It was so broad. It was like abuse in churches, you know, that was the topic. And as we've gone on, I've gotten it to narrow in on certain topics and certain elements that I never expected, you know, whether it's chronic illness, whether that's racism, whether that's, you know, a whole variety of issues, but the issues that come up with family is something that I've experienced Mm -hmm. personally. I know a lot of my listeners have, uh, what kind of motivates you to kind of tackle this topic? Because like I said, there's a million uh, topics you could cover. Uh, what led you to family?
1: Well, When Family Hurts was written for people who are in the midst of a strained or confusing relationship. Um, When you go through, whether it's faith deconstruction or any sort of transition in life, um, it may be the loss of a child, um, you know, being separated or divorced, a lifestyle choice, which could be anything. I mean, it could be, we're going to go on, buy an RV and go on the road for a year well, your parents no. might not agree with that. Um, so all of those transitions, those those difficult times, a fight, um, whatever it might be. So if there's a strained or confusing relationship, um, this was written for you. And it's in the, the form of a 30-day self-coaching guide that I hope will set you on a path towards healing and clarity. And the two audiences that I really had in mind, one were those who've experienced Um, spiritual abuse and religious trauma growing up. And so often um, that spiritual abuse started at home. It may be, it may be know, also in your church or, you know, in a homeschool organization or whatever it might be, but often it does start at your home. And so, because that's my experience, because that's what I've lived. I've seen that as well as, as I speak with clients and I hear their stories um, it always came back to these biggest struggles somehow at home, whether it's with your original family, with your parents and your siblings, but then it transitions over into your marriage and in your own parenting and the relationships that are around you. So that was the one audience. And the second one um, is the DNA surprise community where I'm a director for a nonprofit and you take an at-home DNA test and um, what are the results I'm staring at on a screen Um, you discover that your dad's not your dad, or your mom's not your mom, grandpa's not really grandpa. And so whether it's abuse, or lies, cover ups secrets, or people just didn't know. um, It affects your family, it affects your identity to the core. And it depends on what you're having to process. Each story is unique. Um, Each situation is, is very personal. And but it also affects your family and you have to navigate these new complicated issues. And sometimes you don't know what you need or what you're feeling or what you want from either a new biological connection or your existing family that you find out isn't biologically related to you anymore. How do you navigate that? So those are my two audiences that I had in mind as I was writing When Family Hurts.
0: Yeah. The, the DNA side specifically was super interesting to me because it's not something I ever thought about or considered, but it is like, it's like you described, if you take a DNA test and find out your dad's not your dad, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: even if it's a well-intentioned thing, they didn't share, share with you. Like that's a mm-hmm. world shaking event. Um, and, you you know, I, one thing I like though, is like, you mentioned those two audiences, but I mm-hmm. think really the book broadly could cover a hundred million different variations yes. of this. And, and one thing, when I shared about your book on TikTok, someone was like, Oh, is this Christian focused? Is it? And I was like, no, it's family in general, like family mm-hmm. trauma. Um, and one of the, one of the things, and I was curious when I picked up the book, how you'd handle it is like, when it comes to personal development, which I've you know done a lot of reading in, or when it comes to working on yourself or your own mental health, mm-hmm. It can be a solo game a lot of the time. It's like, I'm going to change my expectations of this. I'm going to change Mm -hmm. my perspective, my outlook. When it comes to the topic of family, there's other parties involved, (laughs) obviously. Um, So how do you go about writing a book for someone where they have no control over how, you know, say a a dad is going to respond? Like you can follow some of the guidelines or principles in the book, but if your dad won't or your mom won't, how do you kind of approach that?
1: Mm. That's a good question. (laughs) That um again, as in anything else, it's a very individual decision. It's a very personal based on what, you know, what it was there abuse in the past? Was it just a misunderstanding? Um, so it there's a lot of variables there, but ultimately, and this is where so many self-help, what is best for you? And that's the boundaries thing. What and as you go through the book, I hope it will help you figure out what is very important to you. What do you need for this Mm. relationship to be considered healthy or to be considered, I can have a relationship with this person. And no, you cannot control what other people do. You cannot, well, I know my dad needs to get counseling. Well, you can't make him go to counseling. He has to make that choice. And so you are only responsible for you But so many times we don't, again, we don't know what we want or what we need or Mm -hmm. why we're feeling the way we're feeling. And so I believe that if you go through these 30 days, that those types of questions will be answered. And so it will be, you will at least have that clarity. You will have those whys when you do make a decision on how to proceed with, do I have a relationship with this person? Do I only go for Christmas and, you know, other holidays? How you make those choices? Um, also, I would say this book is not to replace therapy. To go into a therapist to make those decisions. Um, in the the months here of COVID, so many times we feel alone. We, but yet, how many families are hurting right now mm-hmm. because they're splitting over politics and and medical decisions? And you know, so. But again, I can't go to a therapist often either. They're mm-hmm. full. Or they're not taking in-person visits. And so something like this is a book you can grab and you can do it at home to, to be that guide that can direct you to, okay, these are the decisions I need to make instead of saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm feeling. My dad is this and that. Ah, but it's yeah. helping guide you toward a little bit more clarity that can allow you to do what you need to do for those yeah. decisions going forward.
0: Yeah, well, that clarity and that claiming of ownership, you know, and like that's something that, um, I had a really good conversation like two years ago, and I won't give any details about them at all because, uh, anything I say will make it clear who I'm talking about. But I was talking with a friend, you know, and he was talking about, um, he's like, we're, we're having a conversation about the whole blood is thick the water kind of thing, you know, like you've mm-hmm, got, mm-hmm. you've got those relationships. And one of the things he was saying, you know, which at the time I was like, no, nah, I didn't, I don't know. I don't agree, but I've kind of come to feel the same way is you do have a default connection with certain people that is outside of your choice, you know, but who you choose to keep around, especially in the conversation of once you have kids or, you know, once you start making that those steps out on your own, like there is some level, I think of, of earning your way into like my inner circle or earning your Mm -hmm. way to have that relationship, that connection. And like, yes, I you know, I think that there is some, some value to sticking by people that have a blood connection with you. But I think also like you have to take ownership and say, okay, yeah, I know that there's this expectation on me to have a relationship with this person, Mm -hmm. but for me, that's been nothing but hell, you know? So Mm -hmm. I have to make a choice. Like, do I keep that relationship purely because genetically there's some link between us, you know? And, and I really think, again, your book doesn't give just like yes and no answers. Cause life's a lot more complicated mm-hmm. than that, but it's really helpful going through those exercises and saying like, what do I want? What do I need versus what have I been told to need or to do, or what do I owe to somebody?
1: Yeah. yeah. And so often, especially if you come from a very religious background, even what you just described, it seems selfish It seems like, oh, what do I need? Well, that doesn't matter. I have to sacrifice. I have to, you know, love is putting somebody else's need first and above my own. And and so we have this idea that figuring out what I need or what I want from a relationship is somehow selfish, Mm -hmm. but it's not. It's very, um, what words would I use? It's again, that clarity can actually help you come closer in a relationship in certain situations. Yeah. Um, and so I know for me personally, you know, I wrote the book that I needed during a time of my life. Yeah, And what I thought it was selfish to say, what boundaries do I need that will make me feel safe? What boundaries are needed in order for me to have a relationship? with this person. Um, I didn't know how to do that. And so again, that's why one of the reasons here's when family hurts, um, to help people make those choices and decisions for themselves.
0: Yeah. Boundaries is a word we say a lot. And I think sometimes words we say a lot when you take away definition, you know, like you start just saying the word and everyone assumes we're talking about the same thing, but when it, what's what do you describe as the difference between say a boundary versus like putting things in the boxes, you know, where, you know, sometimes people say boundaries, but what they mean is we just don't talk about this or we don't ever address mm. this tough issue. Um, you know, where, where's the line there? Like, is it, is it healthy to just have certain things we don't talk about with certain family members? Um, you know, how do you, how do you define those?
1: Man, you're good at asking questions. Um, <laughs> that's your I, job.
0: My, I'm starting to get there. 200 episodes <laughs> in, it's starting to come together.
1: <laughs> good job. Good job. So boundaries often, and again, there's good books about boundaries. There's other you know, resources to go to, but boundaries are something that you keep. Hmm. So for example, um, we don't talk about politics when the family comes over for family dinners. Because you know, so that's a rule. You can say uh, that's your boundary. You know what? I yeah. want my family over here. But I've seen how when we talk about COVID vaccines, how the whole family gets upset. So the right. boundary in my home is I want everyone in my home. I want to do our monthly family dinners. But we don't talk about politics or we don't talk about, you know, this, this, and this. Then you have to hold to that. You can't yeah. bring it up. You can't, whatever. Or someone say, no, no. Please don't speak to me that way. Hmm. You have to keep the boundary. You have to enforce that. Um, The boxes, which can be a toxic family trait, um, it can get carried down, or it might be the culture Mm
2: -hmm. from
1: a church or school community that you are in, where we just sweep stuff under the rug and we just ignore it and we don't talk about it. Um, That's actually very unhealthy. So there's a difference between saying, I've recognized that when we go certain places, it causes strain and tension and anger, um, but you've named it yeah, and you are putting that boundary saying, because I value this relationship. Um, I've decided we're not talking about these certain things or we're not going to treat people in a certain way. You can't treat me that way because I value a relationship with you. The o- opposite side, which is the boxes and sweeping under the rug. Is never naming it. It's never saying something for what it is. It's just choosing to ignore it and stuffing it, which is extremely unhealthy because often it will explode one day, um, and that will be the loss—permanent loss—of relationships or uh, you know many different things. So that's it's a complicated, tricky question, but it is important to know the difference between the two.
0: Yeah, And in laying out a boundary is as simple as saying that, right? I mean, it's as simple as saying. I prefer you not talk about this here, or I prefer we don't discuss this Um, because I think that's where, you know, for, for a lot of these topics, like, I think people get stuck on where do I bring this up? When's the right time to say this When's the right time to, and I think Mm -hmm. we can overthink. And I say, we meaning me. I mean, I, I I'll sit and overthink like, when do I, do I take Mm -hmm. them out to lunch and talk about this? Like what, how do I present this, but you can set boundaries literally In a moment, just by saying, "Hey, I'd prefer you not talk about that here," or "I'd prefer we don't discuss this here," and I think that's important too. Is like it's not; it doesn't have to be one blanket conversation that forever establishes your list of rules. Um, It can come up in a moment. Like if something's uncomfortable in a moment, like you can lay out a boundary right then and there, uh, which I think is I think is really a valuable tool to have in your back pocket to like know you can do that. Um, Yes, especially again, especially if you've got you know, religious ideas around it or family, or, you know, I can't tell my, is that disrespectful to my parents, you know, like, or whatever that, that topic is that kind of comes up.
1: You're an adult, not now. (laughs) Right. I'm glad you bring that up though, because that's what I see as I work with clients who are trying to put healthy boundaries in place with their families. So often they do come from that authoritarian model. Mm -hmm. And when they place a boundary with their parents, they see them as being disrespectful, disobedient, rebellious, even though they're 35 years old, married with three children. (laughs) like So they do. So there, when you do place a boundary with family who is not accustomed to having boundaries as a thing, maybe you didn't have boundaries even as little kids growing up and everybody shared everything and you never had anything that was your own. Mm -hmm. If you come from a big family, maybe it's, well, it's, you know, community property. Um, so when you do decide to put a boundary in place, there will be reactions because they're not accustomed to that. Mm. Um, another part of what a lot of my clients and people that I know walk through is estrangement. They either they have to step away or their family cuts them out. Mm. One or the other. Um, sometimes. You make that choice because it's what's best for your mental health or what's best for your child, what's best for your family. And it's an intentional thing that you've done because in a serious thing, but you've done it after much thought and counsel and it's necessary. Sometimes people cut you off from an unhealthy, controlling, manipulative place no. where If you don't behave like this, if you don't say the things we want you to say, if you don't believe the things that we taught you to believe, you are now no longer part of us. You are no longer part of our family. And um, so, there's two different types, two different reasons that families become estranged. And the type where it is a choice that we've done for safety, uh, because there's been abuse, um, because it's a seasonal thing for six months or a year for me to heal. all the is seen as negative mm-hmm. and just the way our culture works. And so I think there is a shift to sometimes it is a healthy choice to be estranged, but again, it needs to be done with much consideration, much thought. Um, but I do believe there's a shift and people are understanding that. And unfortunately it is having to happen a lot with mm-hmm. those who are recovering from spiritual abuse, especially when it's from their families.
0: Right, right, yeah, because there's a lot of that unsolicited you know input or mm-hmm. um you know things that you know things just aren't respected like oh, I don't want to cover this and mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about this right now um mm-hmm. y- you know for for situations where there's been blos and this is one of the things that you know picking up your book and you know I mean I'm, I've happily like endorsed the book like so I've obviously yes, you did Thank uh, you. yeah and 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 for people listening like I, highly, highly recommend it. Um, but one of the things I was like, you know, flipped to first thing when I was reading through the table of contents was your section on forgiveness. Um, because mm-hmm. that was the, uh, that was the deal breaker thing in any book that I'm talking about is like how that topic is handled because yes. when these blowups happen, when there's, you know, Someone cuts you out of the family when there's, um, and a lot of times they don't do the, which it would be helpful if they cut you out. They keep you in and then manipulate and attack from mm-hmm. inside. Um, you know, one of the most weaponized things is forgiveness. You know, it's, yeah. oh, you're yeah. you're bitter. that's why you're setting these boundaries. you're upset, you're you're just being emotional about it. All these things come in. So, mm-hmm. what does forgiveness mean to you?
1: For me personally, I grew up with the Bill Gothard (laughs) teachings about forgiveness and there's two types of forgiveness, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's for the other person and for you and this and this and this, and I used to teach it all. And um, that really never worked for me. Um, You know, all the teachings that I was handed from the Bible and something just never really added up until there was this moment and season in my life, which again is one of the reasons I wrote, when family hurts, um, where I had to forgive somebody mm-hmm. and it was a really big deal. It wasn't just, you know, my husband forgot to get cream cheese at the grocery store or he yelled at me because he didn't like something, you know, it wasn't one of those everyday things. It was a big deal. And for me personally, I had this one, I had this overwhelming moment of forgiveness. And it's not a Corey Ten Boom, I forgive you, my brother, I cried, where she feels the energy come up her arm when Mm -hmm. she shakes the Nazi soldier's hand. You know, it's not one of those type of experiences. Um, I had this moment of understanding. It was a moment, you can use the word empathy, but it's where I went, okay, I know what was done was wrong. It was abusive. It should never have happened. But I could see things better through their perspective, the whys, the hurt, their trauma. Um, and it did not by any means excuse what happened. Mm-hmm. But that was that moment of a release for me. When I understood, I could see it through their eyes. And how they got to where they got, <laughs> like, how the heck did they get here? Okay, that's, those are those things that would bring you to a place where this would be your behavior.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that for me is how I feel forgiveness works for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Can, can um, that can that empathy ever work against us? Because I notice, like, mm-hmm. for me, I'm hyper- empathetic to people, which is funny because now it's just like a trend on TikTok. People make fun of people for saying that, but I truly is like, I I feel deeply other people's yeah. positions and emotions and I've stayed in very unhealthy relationships for a long time because I've kind of weaponized empathy against myself in a lot of ways. And I've looked yeah. past a lot of really bad things. Um, how do we kind of audit ourselves like, and make sure we're not just excusing someone else's trends of abusive or manipulative behavior and really make sure that we're, we're being objective while also being understanding.
1: Mm. Well, there are trauma bonds. That is for sure. Where even though you're being abused or being hurt, being manipulated, you still feel this close connection because mm-hmm. of what you've experienced in those deep emotional experiences. And for those of us recovering from spiritual abuse, um, who have experienced religious trauma, we kind of get used to that cycle, to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes normal for us to experience the, the wound, the pain, and then to just you know go back to have, oh, this lovey-dovey, wonderful relationship with mm-hmm. the person, everything's okay. Um, and I think that some of that goes back to what we were talking about before with the boundaries. If you place a boundary, how is it reacted to? What does the person do when you place this new boundary in their lives? Um, no, we're no longer. You cannot speak to me that way any longer. Uh, if your voice gets to this level, I want to have a conversation with you. But once we calm down, then we can reapproach it. If there's a huge reaction to that, um, listen to the people around you. Um, what are your friends saying? What have been like? Man, that doesn't seem right. You know. How long have you been putting up with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's again, are we naming the issues in the room? Are we naming what's going on or are we ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist? Um, so often, especially with women, um, we didn't have mental health training. We don't know what things are and we've been we've been taught all these abusive things are what life is, what true, like there's the new, the new movie out, which I know is huge, like whatever, redeeming love. And so many people are like, especially Christian women are just all over thinking it's the most wonderful love story. Well, never once does he ask her if she's okay, like about her mental health, about her physical health, about all of these things, he's wanting something from her. And, you know, anyway, we won't go into that one. But We've been conditioned to accept all of these behaviors as normal. And it is very hard to see our way out of it. So, a lot of it is educating yourself. What is trauma? What is trauma bonding? What is abuse? What is all of these things? And is educating yourself so then you can actually go, oh, wait a second, this isn't okay. So is everything being swept under the rug or are we naming it? How are people responding when those boundaries are being put in place? Are they encouraging you to have more freedom and to go find help, go see therapists, go get the help you need? Or are they shaming you and guilting you for wanting to you know, fix whatever you feel needs to be worked on?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So someone actually messaged me and said, have you seen redeeming love? Cause I want to hear your perspective. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound interesting to me at all. Uh, but, uh, I'm glad you gave your little, uh, your your thought on it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> a lot more I,
1: thoughts, but I won't share them. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good litmus test, even going to new relationships, like checking those boundaries and, and, you know, I, and obviously too, like there's a whole flip side of this conversation where I think sometimes people set what they call boundaries and they're hiding something that should be talked about that, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. people do that all the time. But I think, you know, I shared a clip about a year ago and it's, it's become shockingly relevant in the last uh, couple months. But one of the things I shared was if you want to find out if a pastor's toxic or not, you know, disagree with them. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that relationship or, or that, uh, that rings true in relationships across all stripes Uh, when it comes to family relationships, when it comes to relationships, we jump into trying to escape family Mm -hmm. is trying to not in the beginning, just be completely passive and submissive to everything that someone says, Um, you know, like when there's a disagreement, like share it, like not in a jerkish way, but like at this point, you know, and you could disagree if you wouldn't give this advice, but at this point for me, I'm a pretty open book. Like I lay out where I'm at, what my views are. And, and, and I also lay out, I'm totally fine with someone having different viewpoints. Uh, But I want to be able to sit down and have that conversation without there being this, you know, condescending tone or reaction between the two of us. And so now, yeah. Because I, the more authentic I've been to who I am, the more mm-hmm. it's narrowed my friend group and relationship group and even some family group down quite a bit. And All it's done, like when I see that happen, it's saving me hurt. That's going to come two, three, four years down the road uh, Mm -hmm. when they find out that I think this about, you know, in the religious world, it was like about drinking or when they find out about my view on this, or like even Mm -hmm. very recently with the show, like when they find out about where I'm actually at on my faith journey or where they find out I am with my stance on this, like to me, it's, it's been better for me to lay those out and Mm -hmm. let people kind of check themselves or remove themselves from the from the situation. But I don't know if that's healthy or if there's something bad there. But I I, I just think I just think a lot of times, especially with family, we conceal what we actually think for the sake of relationship. But mm-hmm. you don't have much of a relationship if who you are is going to end it. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a that's a pretty rough place to be.
1: Well, you bring up a couple thoughts for me. One is Somehow in our minds, and again, this may be all the fundamentalist or religious conditioning, you can only have a successful marriage if both of you believe everything exactly the same.
0: Mm. Dave Ramsey just posted this literally two days ago. He just posted before you get married um, and he listed like the things you should be in agreement on. And, And I think there's some truth to this in some level, but it's like, what do you think about money? Make sure you're religiously on the same page. How you want to raise um, and, and I was reading it as someone like a, I haven't been married as long as Dave Ramsey, but like our list has changed in every category over five years. Mm-hmm. Like if your foundation of your relationship is we completely agree on money, parenting, which you don't even know what to know about parenting until you're a parent. not until you're a parent, um, <laughs> right? Like all those things are just what ifs, you know. And so, like. I think having that, like, oh, we need to hundred percent be on the same page. Like that's why you see a lot of marriages fail. The minute somebody starts questioning anything, um, your, your rooting, I think has to be a little bit deeper than that. I think the healthier approach is, you know, um, how do you handle conflict? How do we work Mm -hmm. through issues? Because again, like in my relationship, not to, not to put it all out on the open page, but like. We've had a very healthy relationship over the last year as I go through very drastic shifts in beliefs yeah. and worldview, but it's because our relationship is not rooted on st- us agreeing on everything. Our relationship's rooted yeah. on how do we have conversations about those changes? That's a much yes. healthier, mature Approach, I think, to those kind of things. But anyway, not to not to sidetrack or or be the only no, man that no, ran at the No, you're absolutely correct.
1: No, you're correct because conflict resolution is something that I am still learning about. Mm-hmm. Because again, we just ignore all the things we're taught that, like that's the culture of just we just pretend something didn't happen mm-hmm. and we just move on with our lives like nothing yeah. ever happened. Yeah. That is so unhealthy. That's,
0: that's why people become so partisan because you don't know how to exist in a world where someone's different. Like that's why Mm -hmm. you see this tribalism within families. It's why you see this tribalism within political parties. Like the idea of me sitting with someone who I disagree with is like mind blowing to people. Like it just, it. not even that, like that person's like in themselves unreasonable. It's like, you're Mm -hmm. not taught how to do that. You're not taught how to sit in a room with someone you disagree with.
1: Yeah. Well, I know with parenting, I don't know if it was Dobson or Gothard or who pushed it, but it's where Um, parents should never disagree in front of their children, that parents mm -hmm. should always have a united front. Okay. How is that realistic? How is that real world? I haven't done that in my family at all with my daughter. And so my daughter is 12 years old now. And the other day, her dad and I were not agreeing on something. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, sweetie, mommy and daddy don't agree right now, but that doesn't mean that we don't love each other. She's like, oh, I know. And then she said, people fight all the time. Like we're not fighting. We're disagreeing. And she was like, yeah, people don't always agree, mom. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And so that, again, that's a healthy place to be And learning how to fight well learning how to, there's different, um, I'm in a leadership program right now and there's like the, the conflict wheel. It's how to make I statements. I feel, or I need, or I want, or I wonder instead of you make me and you do that. So there's different tools that you can find to help you through conflict and healthy conflict is healthy. It's good because it does name things. It names an emotion. It names a, I don't know what it is, but I'm frustrated. And it gets it out there instead of hiding it, instead of keeping those things inside us, which eventually your tea kettle is going to start whistling and it's going to be unhealthy. It's going to be dangerous and scary. Um, But another thought when you were talking about um, relationships, like you were saying that you've, you've kind of lost some from your family and your friendship Mm -hmm. circle and all of that, that is one of the elements. And I do, we have the two sections in the book on grief and loss. And that's something that we don't expect as we get a surprise DNA result, or, you know, suddenly I'm going to change my perspective on, on divorce and spanking my kid and whatever it might be. We don't realize sometimes it's not just the belief or the community, but it's this loss of relationships. It's we grieve and you said it's better now than later, but I bet you, you've still felt some grief and loss. Definitely. and while it's it's manageable cuz it's a choice that you've been able to to make um it's still this whole process that we didn't expect like well yes i know that that was an abusive person but why am i grieving their loss why am i grieving the fact that i no longer have a relationship mm. with somebody who was abusive to me or to a sibling or well, you know or whatever it may have been um but we still go there and so I what I say somewhere in the book about it's, it's not the person into you. It shows that you know how to love. It shows that you can have empathy. It shows. So if you are grieving a loss of a relationship that wasn't healthy, um, that's normal. That's natural. That's a good thing. That means that you know how to open yourself up and love.
0: I'm going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment. But first, I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is Factor. Factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week, and I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad. And it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious Options And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 and use code preacherboys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code preacherboys50 at factormeals.com slash preacherboys 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: Yeah, means you're not a sociopath, which is always a good thing to know. So
2: (laughs) that's always uh, good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no, I've, I've, we talked beforehand. I mean, it's something that you know, I felt like, you know, again with massive shifts and my, yeah, I don't even like saying I, I, because even the language has been so used, but like just coming to points of saying I don't know about certain topics, you know, or I'm not willing to even make a stand on a topic has cost relationships, you know, and and it's it is like even relationships that are pretty new, like losing those doesn't hurt. Like it's not like they don't hurt. Like there's just less hurt than if it had been 10 years down the road, but it's still, it still freaking hurts. you know, like it still Mm -hmm. takes a, takes a stab at you, you know? And, um, but I, I think again, like, I I think you're not doing yourself favors by putting that off, you know, by putting that, like, Hey, let's, uh, let's just keep pushing through and keep, (laughs) keep fighting for this, especially I think, you know, what we've circled is like, if it's a one-sided fight, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I've put myself in a lot of positions over the years where like, I'm fighting for, and I think this is where the grief comes in. I'm fighting for what I believe this could be or what this relationship could be. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's, you know, whether for somebody that's, oh, if my dad was an awesome dad, that would be so cool. And they'll stick in this really horrible environment for a long time. Or if my spouse understood where I was coming mm-hmm. from, if I stay in for another couple of years, this will mm-hmm. work out. Or if this pastor, you know, sees the light of what I'm trying to look at, like yeah. we, we work ourselves. And I think that's what we grieve when a relationship falls apart is like, you know, for me losing relationships the last few months, it's been, it doesn't have to be like this. Like literally we could just disagree and coexist, but the other party can't for Mm -hmm. ideological reasons or whatever their, their view is they Mm -hmm. can't. And that's really, it's not even like an angry thing. It's just, it's sad. Like, it's really sad. Sometimes it's an angry thing, but for the most part, like the lingering emotion, I feel when relationships like that fall apart is this is really sad. It's sad that we can't Mm -hmm. look past this. And have what this could be. (laughs) This relationship could be It's a very
1: human thing. And it's also a very fundamentalist thing Hmm. um, to choose a principle over a person. Yeah. But how many times, if you do go look in the Bible and read the times where Jesus chose people over principles, the woman at the well, like whatever, how we can look at all these things. You know, especially the woman at the well or the the woman caught in adultery, like he was choosing her over what all the religious leaders of the day were saying, Mm -hmm. you know, well, she was caught in adultery and she should be stoned and she, well, where's the man? And what did he say to her? You know, what did he actually say? But he was choosing the person. He was going to the woman caught in adultery. He was connecting with her instead of with the religious people. And so that's just using one example. But I think it we just, we want to be right. Mm-hmm. We want to side with what's right. We're so focused on, I have to be right. Um, there's a song, I think it's a country song um, that with my daughter, I've even said, even when I lose, I'm winning. hmm And that's how relationships should be looked at. You Mm -hmm. might be losing this one thing, but you're actually winning the relationship. Mm -hmm. So you lost a fight. Well, you maintained your relationship. It's not about being right. It's not about winning. It's not about having the right, you know, whatever, whether it's doctrine or philosophies or political views, or it's about winning in the relationship and Mm -hmm. If you look at it from a Christian perspective, again, Jesus chose the person every time
0: mm-hmm. yeah. over
1: the principle, right? And um, yeah, anyway. Well,
0: he, he, I mean, he exemplified the spirit of the law over the letter of the law. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the there, there were. Plenty of times where someone would try to call him on, you know, oh, you're healing on a Sunday, or you're doing, or on the mm-hmm. not Sunday, Saturday. Um, yeah. you're on the you're, Sabbath.
1: There you
0: go. <laughs> everyone's going to be like, see, he doesn't even know his theology. Um, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but for him, you know, like it was, no, like that would not be something that's restricted. Like that was not a violation of the law. It was not this work. You know, it was this to do this yeah. service. You know, and there were so many moments like that where. You see Jesus, which is why I think Jesus is a compelling figure, is that he Mm -hmm. he stepped beyond what was written on the page and said, like, this is what's right, you know, like this is what's right. And you can follow the letter of the law and not be right. You can follow Mm -hmm. the principles laid out and not be right, but you can follow the spirit of the law. You can still keep the law without, you know, doing these extra things that aren't going to help you or not going to help the other person. And I think it's the same way. Again, with a lot of these relationships, like we draw these lines in the sand, you know, and we don't think about like, what's best for this person, what's best in this moment, instead of laying out a broad, like, here's my rule Mm -hmm. for every single person in the exact same box, like, what's best in this moment in this relationship. I think that's such a much, much better approach.
1: Well, we love formulas. I mean, right. even the five love languages, it's a formula. Yeah. And we have to, or Enneagrams
0: or whatever on. it is. Yeah.
1: myers briggs even the whole spiritual gifts testing that yeah. so many churches still do, it puts everything mm. into this little box. It's very, it's categorized. It's easy to understand because there's a structure and a system. So we anticipate that our relationships, okay, well, you're an Enneagram six and I'm a Myers-Briggs this and, and your gifting is this and you're, and so we just build these little structures because it feels manageable to us. So when something like a miscarriage, Mm. the death of a loved one, a sibling comes out. Someone changes, they're now Methodist instead of Baptist, or they no longer identify as a Christian. Mm. When that didn't fit into that neatly structured formula and plan and system, what do we do? No, It feels like chaos. And so that's where leaving behind legalism, leaving behind all of this is so important because people are so much bigger than systems and structures and formulas and stages and levels and types Mm -hmm. Um, relationships. And people are changing and morphing and growing and learning and having tragedy strike. That's not our fault. Um, And so you can't expect that things are always going to go one way every time. And that's where, like you were saying, we have to, you kind of—it's the whole, you know, friends pivot, pivot. We have to be able to to do that in relationships, but it's not losing a core value. Mm-hmm. So even though you, like you were saying about your your marriage, your core values are still the same. Mm-hmm. You still value family. You still value, you know, being a good dad and a good husband, and you still have these core values. And when you got married your wife didn't marry your beliefs. She married you mm-hmm. and people miss that. Yeah. And we focus again on all these principles instead of looking at the person.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've covered so many different uh, angles on this, but I'm, I am curious uh, every time I talk to an author, um, if Someone was to pick up a copy of the book, which they should. There's a link in the show notes, so click that below and grab a copy. Uh, If someone is to grab a copy of the book, what's the one thing that you hope they'll take away from it uh, after after reading Mm. through? What's the What's the one big idea you'd hope universally, like everybody, will grab at least this one concept or one idea?
1: Mm. Well, I wanted when family hurts to feel accessible, but. I also wanted it to challenge you.
2: Hmm.
1: And I have felt hopeless and helpless many times in different situations with people that I cared about greatly. And I've never been asked that question before, but my gut knee-jerk reaction is that I want you to know that there is something you can do about it that you don't just have to hurt all the time. I know you want to do something because I wanted to do something, but I couldn't find the answers. I couldn't find a tool, a resource, a help, a guide, anything to help me figure out my complicated feelings, that's complicated, messy situations. I couldn't right. figure it out. And so I hope that when you're f- finish with the 30 days. And some people have been telling me they sit down and they read the whole thing because I mean, the book's not super long. You can sit down um, and there's areas to read and there's areas, um, there's an action item. And then there's a, a question time and you can write all in the book. Um, but the big takeaway would be that there is something you can do that will help you moving forward. You can take ownership. There are things that it's already inside you it's already in your heart, in your mind, in your in your core beliefs, in your values. you do already have those answers, but our emotions, and again, not being able to control what other people are doing or have done, um, that muddles our minds. It confuses us, and the hurt is so deep. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to know that there is something that you can do to start taking control of the messy emotions and the muddled mind. Um, and you don't have to feel like you're on an Island all by yourself with no help, no hope that there is hope and there is something you can do about it.
0: Love that. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think that comes through, I think in in the book, and I think it's Mm. something that, you know, it's, it's even funny asking you like universally, what would you hope applies? But I think, again, I think while it applies to everybody, I think everyone's takeaway is going to be slightly different. I think there's going to mm-hmm. be different perspectives or different situations or different relationships they are thinking of uh, as they kind of work through it. But I, I just want to say thank you. I mean, obviously for, for taking the time to do this twice uh, to come on the show and, and share, yeah. um, but also just for the, the hours and hours of work. Put into the book, into all the work you're doing with your nonprofit, um, just everything across the board. Uh, I, I really appreciate watching it from afar. And uh, even though I'm notoriously horrible with uh, with messaging people and telling them, uh, mm-hmm. I I love watching and seeing the work you're doing. I mm-hmm. think it's awesome. Thank you.
1: That means a lot. Thank you.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, what's the best thank place for having people? Me. Yeah, yeah. What's the best place for people to connect with you if they want to kind of follow your journey?
1: Well, you can go to my website, RebeccaDrumsta.com, or I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, Also, if you give me your email address on my website, um, you will be given access to the first two days of this 30-day self-coaching guide, When Family hurts. so you can kind of preview the book and see if it's something that might be a good resource for you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, awesome. If you guys check that out? Go ahead and click the link in the show notes of this episode. And Rebecca, thanks again for joining me.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional
1: information can always be found on Preacher Boys